He didn't say, try to be. He said, you must be what? Perfect, because your heavenly Father is perfect. You need to be as, listen to this, everybody. Let this sink in. You must be perfect, not, not your own standard either. Listen to how high the bar is. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is that sinking in? How perfect is the Father? And that's how perfect you must be. Good luck. But don't lose hope. Jesus. Oh, I'm just so happy to preach this word. I'm looking at a bunch of perfect people right now. I got a Santo Dios already and we haven't even started the sermon. I am looking at a room of perfect people. Bow your hearts. Father, we love you and we thank you today. Lord, I thank you for this hard saying because within this hard saying there is a great truth. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity to sit at your feet. Lord, I pray that you would feed us the bread of heaven until we want no more. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply what it is we hear. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Be seated. I think our culture is obsessed with perfection, are we not? Billions of dollars are spent on products. Ladies, you can relate to this. Men, too. Billions of, products are spent on, 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 uh, billions of dollars are spent on products that help people uh, feel like they're uh, better or uh, they help them strive towards perfection. Ladies, they sell creams to cover your imperfections. Nobody said amen. I know you got them. Just spent $90 on a little cream like that that supposedly helps uh, make your face or my wife's face look like it did uh, 10 years ago. I'll let you know how that works out. The point is, we, 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 we want to be perfect. We go to the gym because we want to be perfect. And you might not say, I'm trying to be perfect, but really we just, we're just not really satisfied. So in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 is a great chapter of the, of the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 5, we have the, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus would give us the Beatitudes. We find that within Matthew chapter 5. But within Matthew chapter 5, there's a portion of scripture that he begins to talk uh, about the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes were the religious people of the, of the days of Jesus. And they had their own idea as to what it meant to be righteous before God, what it meant to be perfect before God. So that begs the question, after you read Matthew chapter 5 verse 48, Jesus himself says, and this is a hard saying if you don't understand what he was trying to say, this is a hard saying, you therefore must be perfect. Now everybody here has, has always said, I'm not perfect. How many have ever said, I'm not perfect? How many have ever said it? How many have ever told, some, how many have ever told your wife, I'm not perfect? Brothers, you ever told your wife that? Ladies, how many have ever told your husband, I'm not perfect? Ladies, you need to work on that then. More men than ladies raise their hand. We've all said it. I'm not perfect. So here's the question. Does Jesus really expect us to be perfect? Or better yet, do I have to be perfect to get into heaven? The short answer is yes. Do you have to be perfect to get into heaven? Yes. Does Jesus really expect us to be perfect? The answer is yes. But don't despair because God's standard of perfection is much different than yours. And that's where we need to see 
the gospel for what it is. Now look in your Bible at verse 17 through 20 if we can. Brother, I don't know if you have it, but give me Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. We're going to run through some verses here. And while you look at those verses, I want us, I want us to understand that Jesus is about, watch it now, he's, about to, he's, he's done with the Beatitudes and he's about to differentiate the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes between the righteousness that comes from God through faith. So we see it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. We're, we're going to jump over some verses, but help me read if you can. Ready? Read. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to what? Abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. Verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, stay with me, already read. For I tell you, unless your righteousness, uh-huh, you will. You see that? Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter where? So that means, as righteous as the, as the scribes and Pharisees were, they tried to walk and obey and fulfill the Mosaic law in its entirety. And not only does this refer to the Ten Commandments, but there are over 600 other laws that they would try to live out. So Jesus comes now and watch it. What he's doing, read the rest of the chapter before and after. What he's doing is he now is about to expose the hole in their holiness. Jesus is about to reveal that the righteousness that the scribes and the Pharisees thought they had by keeping the law was no righteousness at all. In essence, he's about to expose the fallacy of their so-called faith in their efforts. Now, you might say to yourself this morning, I'm not a scribe or a Pharisee, but I promise you that you, at one point in your walk with God, will be tempted to do what they did, and that is to gain a right standing with God by way of what you do. You know how many people don't come to church, don't serve the Lord because, because of the issues that they have in life, and they think, I'm not meeting that standard, I'm not walking up, I'm not living up to that, so I'm just going to remove myself until I'm ready to live holy. What they don't realize is that living holy or being holy, uh, holiness is something that we are. It's not something that you do. Once you realize that you are holy, once you realize that you've been given right standing with God, then that should, that, by way of that grace, that should compel you and propel you into a life that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something right now. Outwardly trying to gain right standing with a holy God is futile. It's useless. It's pointless. You can never live up to his standard. Only in Jesus do we gain right standing with God. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want you to understand why Jesus said what he said. This coincides with the hard saying. He's saying, listen, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're never going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine being there listening to this sermon? That sounded like he was discouraging them, right? Well, how am I going to make it? How... how is there any hope for me then? Like some people that I talk to, honestly, this is common. Is there any hope for me? So what is the standard of God? Because if he's, what he's doing is he's, he's really revealing the standard of God, then perfection. What is his standard? Put it up there. This is the question. What is the standard of God? 
if we want to get into heaven, what is the standard of God? It's holiness. Somebody shout holiness. Now, now, if you grew up in the holiness church like I did, you, you understand that the Bible says without holiness, I, I want you to read it, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And this is one of their favorite verses. Give me the text uh, in Hebrews, please. You should have it in the notes. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14, ready, read. It says, strive for peace with who? Everyone. And for the holiness without which what? So, what is God's standard for heaven? Holiness, everybody shout holiness. In other words, you have to be what to get into heaven? You have to be what? Now, how many of you feel holy right now? Be honest, how many of you feel holy? Nobody raised their hand. Why didn't you raise your hand? Why didn't you raise your hand? That's correct. You, you don't feel holy, right? Now, why don't you feel holy? Huh? The, see, that right there, I'm glad you came to church. Because you just said what everybody up in here feels and thinks. Because we're not perfect. So here's the short answer. Here's the sermon within the sermon right here without all my long points. But you are. I said, how many of you feel holy? Nobody raised their hand. Not one of you. I know you don't feel it. But faith and feelings. I wish you'd hear me. But faith and feelings. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. And not only do we walk, the Bible says, we not only walk, thank you, Holy Ghost, but the Bible says, the just, that's you, shall live by what? By faith. We not only walk by faith, but we live by faith. Thank God that we're not led or driven by how we feel. If I don't feel good on a Sunday, I don't get to call out and say, I ain't going to preach today because I don't feel good. I don't feel like I would know. I walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. It's faith. It's not how I feel. Do I feel holy? No. But thank God I'm not bound. I am not a prisoner to my feelings. I'm preaching better than your amen. You are not a prisoner to your feelings. Even when I don't feel like I'm holy, I'm holy. Why? Not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you right now, if you're saved, if you are, how many are saved today? How many say I'm saved by faith? You're saved by faith. If the trump of God sounds, you're going to heaven. Why? That means that you must be what? You must be holy. Let me freak you out. You are as holy as you'll ever be if you're saved. That should cause you to be like, what did you do? You are as holy as you'll ever be. Now, don't stop. Don't, don't, don't sit there and think, man pastor, man, pastor told me today I'm as holy as I am going to be. So I'm just going to smoke this frajo. I'm just going to drink this 40. I don't think anybody was thinking that, but I ain't got to pray again. I ain't got, no, that's not what I'm telling you. Those things deal with your relationship with the Lord. You see, we confuse righteousness with relationship. We confuse our position with our condition. And this is something that God has had me preach to you over and over, but, but repetition is good because we need to hear this over and over again. You confuse your condition with your position in God. I'm talking about your position. Your position before the Father is one of complete acceptance and holiness. Michelle, you are as holy as you'll ever be as long as you believe in Jesus. Now, is your condition changing every day? Yes. Is he working on your attitude? Yes. I'm not only talking to you, sister. 
Is he working on, is he working on the issues you have? Yes. And how many know you have many issues? You should have said amen. How many know you got a lot of issues? He's working on that. But you confuse your position with your condition. When, when somebody asks you, how many of you are holy? You should have raised your hand. Because this is what the gospel teaches us. You are either acceptable to God or you are not. There's no such thing as being partially acceptable. Is he gonna, did he save your leg and your right arm and leave the rest out? No. You are holy from head to toe. In fact, let's practice it right now. Look at your neighbor if you have a neighbor. And if you ain't got a neighbor, find one around you and just tell him, neighbor, look at me. Tell him again, neighbor, look at me. You're looking at perfection. My brother, I don't know, he's having trouble telling his wife that. <laughs> Couldn't get those words out. You want something better? You can say, neighbor, you're looking at holiness. Yeah, how about that? You're looking at holiness. You see how that goes against what you feel? Because it requires faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith in who he is. Faith in what he's done. Now in verses 21 through 47. It's a lot but we're going to read it. I have, I have time. Now go to verse 21 through 47. Uh, you, you, I don't want you to read with me. I want you to follow along with me. Brother give me verse 21. Back in our text please. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read this. I want you to see this. Are you following me so far? Shout hallelujah. All right, Ma Matthew chapter 5. Go back to chapter 5, brother, please. We're, we're, we we got to get through here. All right, uh, verse, no, give me 21. Verse 21, we ended up, I know I, know I told you, but, uh, verse 21 through 47. Give me verse 21. I'm going to read it quickly, brother, if you can. All right, now, before I give you these examples, let's watch what it says. It says, so you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Now, in the next few verses, let me give you a quick preview. In the next few verses, Jesus will say this, you have heard it said. He says this repeatedly. He's dealing with the religious. What he's talking about is what we find in the Old Testament. So when he says you've heard it said, he's referring to Old Testament scriptures. I can give you all of them. I'm not going to do that. But watch what he says. You've heard it said that it was said of old. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Verse 22. Go, follow me, brother. Verse 22. Can I get a 22? Thank you. But I say unto you, verse 22. No, brother, do you need a bread? 22, brother, just follow me. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, follow this. Whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whosoever shall, shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. But, who, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I know you're guilty of this. Let's keep reading. Y'all are quiet. 23, therefore, if thy bring thy gift to the altar, and, the, and there rememberest that your brother has ought against you, verse 24, Leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer thy gift. I know we haven't done that. Have you ever had beef with somebody? Beef with your brother and you still came and laid a gift at the altar? He's telling you not to do that, but we've done it. Let's keep reading. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Have you done that? Agree with your enemy quickly while you're in the way with him. Lest any time the adversary judge thee to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and thou be cast into prison. Verse 26. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Verse 27. Brother, give me ESV. I don't know why you're in King James. Give me ESV, please, uh, while you're working that out. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's about to get thick, y'all. Now, give me ESV, please, in verse 27, uh, all the way to verse 40. And verse, uh, thank you. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, right? We've heard it said. We know that. But I say to you that what? That everyone who... 
Help me read now. But everyone who with has what? Let's keep going. It gets better. But I say to you, if your right eye causes you to what? To sin. And for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, I don't see anybody with a patch. Let me look around. Have you ever sinned with your eyes? Have you ever sinned with your eyes? Why didn't you pluck your eye out? Have you ever stolen something? Why didn't you cut your hand off? Let's keep going. <laughs> verse, uh, next verse, brother. Verse 30, please. And if your right hand, ready, let's read. And if your right hand causes you, whoa, is something going on back there? I don't know what's going on. Verse 30, brother, stay on 30. I don't know what's happening. Uh, verse 30, maybe, 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 maybe the devil doesn't want me to preach this gospel to you today, but that's all right, we'll get it through. Verse 30, and if your right hand, help me read, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and for it's better that you lose than that your whole body going to hell. Now, he's talking to religious folks. Why is he talking this way? Because they thought, I've never cheated on my wife. I'm righteous. I keep the law. So Jesus hits him with, you've never cheated on your wife. Well, if you lust after a woman, then you're guilty of adultery. Oh, does your eye cause you to sin? Then pluck it out. Does your hand cause you to steal? Then cut it off. You see, you're, you have both of your eyes and you have your hand still because you understand that there's a truth behind the truth. What Jesus is trying to tell you is, hey, all of you, your righteousness doesn't equal God's standard. And, and by the way, committing adultery, lusting after a woman in your heart, that's not only for married people, that's for single people too. Amen. Not one amen in the house. Let's keep going. Now, for the sake of time, let's go to verse 38 now. Now, brother, I need you to follow me. Let's fast forward a little bit. You're getting the gist. 38 and 39. Ready? Read. You have heard that it was said. What? And? Verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who's evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, what? How many have always done that? Like, put them up. You slap me, get ready, because here comes. Not you, Sister Lupa. You're not slapping people back, right? So, here, here, here it is. Put it up there. Put the point up there, brother. So, if God's standard is perfection, and it is, if God's standard is perfection and perfect righteousness, is there hope for you? If you can never lust after a woman in your heart, if you can never steal, if, if your eye ever caused you to sin, just, just all of these things, if, if you never avenge yourself, if somebody slaps you, you always give the other cheek. If you, if, if you live this out perfectly, then, 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 then you're going to get into heaven, right? Now, now here's the thing, you can't. Brothers, sometimes even without wanting to, you see something, your eyes wander, and you're guilty. You lie on your taxes, you're guilty. In fact, you lie at all, you're guilty. In fact, let's go further than that. If you don't love your neighbor, you're guilty. Here's the point. 
If God's standard is perfection, and it is, is there any hope for you? Here's the answer. Yes. Now, here's, here's, here's where I get to enjoy myself today. Because this is where the gospel comes into play. This is where the gospel comes into play. Why is there hope? Number one, because in his life, in his life and through his death, Jesus fulfilled every law of God in every way. You have to be perfect. Somebody shout, I have to be perfect. Now, but remember what Matthew 5 verse 17 says. So Jesus came and in his life, he didn't come to do away with the law. The law of God is good. It's right. It's moral. But what chance do you have to keeping the law in its entirety? You have zero chance of keeping that law perfectly. But there's hope. Why is there hope? Because Jesus fulfilled every law of God in every way. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, it says that he didn't come to do away with the law. He didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And not only did he fulfill the law, but he fulfilled the law for you and I. Somebody shout hallelujah. He fulfilled the law of God, every law of God, in every way. And that's reason for you to get excited. Jesus, the only thing that Jesus added to the law was the thing that no man could ever add to the law. And it was this, perfect obedience. You, you got to hear this. The one thing that Jesus added to the law of God was the one thing that you and I could never add to the laws of God. And that is a perfect obedience. He fulfilled every law. He obeyed every law perfectly because you and I could never obey it perfectly have you ever cheated on your lady you might not but i know that you've lusted in your heart have you come on are you hearing what i'm saying have you ever told a lie have you ever stolen something that wasn't yours have you ever been envious or coveted what your neighbor had look at this car yeah, i wish why does he have that i wish I, guilty have you ever dishonored your father and your mother i promise you you have guilty so it, the point and the purpose is not so that you walk around like, man, I'm guilty and there's no hope. No, Jesus fulfilled the law of God in every way. Are you following that point so far? He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. Every single one. The prophets in the Old Testament, he was the promised one that came, fulfilled those. The legal demands of the law, he fulfilled those. Even the penalty of sin, he fulfilled and paid for that law as well. God had to be, the, the demands of God had to be satisfied, and Jesus took care of those also. Now, let's see what the Bible says, because Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 10, verse 1 through 3, and this is where we see the gospel. Let's read it. I, I, love, I love the book of Romans chapter 10. Ready? Read. It says, brothers, help me read. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be what? Saved. Talking about the Jews. Verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a what? The zeal for God but not according to knowledge. Verse 3, here it is. For being ignorant of the what? And seeking to establish there, they did not. To what? This is, here it is. The Jews. Ready? They were ignorant of what? The righteousness of God. Help me now, because you should see your name here. Seeking to establish their own. You want to know what a lot of Christians are doing? They're trying to establish their own righteousness. Nah, I haven't smoked for 40 days already. Praise God, I'm holy. Well, praise God, that's, that's great. The Lord's doing a work in you. That's wonderful. I applaud you. 
but you're not holy because of what you stop doing. Brother David, if you think that you're holy because of something you stop doing, then what you're saying to God is that you are holy because, you, uh, because of what you are doing. Now, who wants to carry that standard out? Exactly. You cannot. You're not holy because of what you do or what you stop doing. You're holy because of what Jesus has done for you. Yeah, if you're going to give him praise, then give him praise. Hallelujah for that. The only people that this offends are religious people. Look them dead in the face and say, you're trying to establish your own righteousness. You wear long skirts? Great. Praise the Lord. That doesn't make you any holier than I. Why? Because you're trying to establish your own. You're ignorant to the righteousness of God. You're righteous in Jesus and only Jesus. Verse 4, Romans, watch it now. Verse 4, here it comes. Romans 10, next verse. Verse 4, ready? And I underline because I wanted to emphasize these words. Ready? Read. Four. Wait, I need you to read it like you're alive and perfect right now. I want you to read it like if you're perfect and absolutely holy before a holy God right now. Ready? Read. Four. Four. Two. Hallelujah. You should have said hallelujah. Sister Lupe, I said, are you, are you holy? No, I don't feel holy. Well, here it is. Christ is the end of what? The law. Now, what it doesn't say is that Christ is the end of the law, period. Otherwise, we'd have lawlessness and our society would be chaos. Disorder. Christ didn't do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. That tells you that you're not righteous by fulfilling the law. That's done. And that's done in Jesus. Nobody becomes righteous by fulfilling the law anymore. That's over. Romans chapter 10 verse 4 says, it's over. You fulfilling the law as a means to righteousness, that's over. It's over in Jesus. For Christ is the end of that. Righteousness by way of the law, that's over. And it's over in Jesus. But it's over in Jesus to who? To everyone who what? To everyone who what? Now how many believe here today that Jesus is righteous? Let me make it simple. How many believe that Jesus is righteous and holy? How many would say, I believe that Jesus Christ is holy? How many would say that? Let me challenge you. You are as holy as the son of the living God right now. Don't run out here saying blasphemy. No, I'm telling you by way of his blood. What sin does his blood not wash away? You're, you can't be halfway holy. You can't be 99.9% .9 holy and make it into heaven. God never lowered his standard. The standard is the same. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's not going to drop down to your level and say, okay, I'm going I'm to... God doesn't grade on a curve. He's not saying, well, some of these Christians, some of these kids of mine, they're bad, so I've got to lower my standard. No. The standard is holiness. And so when people preach, sin santidad, nadie verá a Dios, I say, amen. But then I look them in the face and say, brother, now what kind of holiness are you talking about? Because holiness has a name. And then they say, it does? Yes. And his name is Jesus. Somebody shout, holiness has a name. And it's Jesus. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. I'm right. Somebody shout, I'm righteous. Come on, this is great. Somebody shout, I'm righteous. I'm perfect. You're, you're getting weak on that last one right there. Somebody shout, I'm righteous. 
I'm perfect in Jesus. It's hard for you. You got to train yourself to say that. Because the devil's lying to you and telling you, you're not perfect. In Christ you are. You either are or you ain't, to use some improper grammar. Thank God that he fulfilled every law in every way. And number two, you need to understand today that the sacrifice of Christ satisfied God. And it sanctifies men. What Jesus did for us on the cross, it, it really two main things. Number one, it satisfied God. And by that I mean his righteous demands satisfied entirely. And number two, it sanctifies men. What Jesus did at the cross satisfied the demands of a righteous and a holy God. Don't you ever forget that. Nothing you do will get him to love you any more than he does right now. I wish somebody would have preached this gospel to me when I was growing up in church. Nothing I do will ever get him to love me more than he does right now. Somebody shout hallelujah to that. Aren't you glad that his love never gives up and never runs out on you? His love never gives up and never runs out on the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It, it, it satisfied the righteous and the holy demands of God. And not only that, but it sanctifies us. That word sanctify is a Christian word, a $2 word, which means that it perfects us. It, 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 come on now, it changes us. That, I'm talking about your condition now. He sanctifies, he makes us holy. While he, is, he makes us, he calls us perfect, declares us perfect while he perfects us. You're saved. Uh, two people are saved. Thank you, Elder Brown. You're saved. I said, you're saved. But you're being saved. You're perfect. You're perfect. But you are being perfected. You following how this works? I'm holy. Practice it, Sister Lupe. I'm holy. I know it's hard for you because you grew up in aquellos tiempos. I know it. Y aunque digamos, ay, eso fue, la verdad fue, la verdad es que eso fue legalismo. Es cierto. I'm not saying that we should be irreverent, no. But I'm telling you, but it wasn't the gospel. No era el evangelio, it was not the gospel. Here's the gospel. A perfect savior, hallelujah. A perfect savior, a sinless savior, died on the cross for all my sins, past, present, and future sin. And now that I have believed in Jesus, he declares me the righteousness of God through faith in him. And as long as I believe, he looks upon me, hallelujah, with a garment that is white and pure, sin mancha y sin arruga, without spot and and without wrinkle, that is how I appear before him. This is my position before a holy God. Now what he does is he calls me perfect. He declares me perfect. And while I wait to see him, he begins a work of perfection in me. I am perfect, but I am being what? Perfected. I'm holy, but he's still working on that sanctification. Are you following me? I'm Somebody shout, I'm holy. Say, I'm perfect. Leave church today and tell everybody, I'm holy and perfect. But don't just leave them hanging like that. Tell them I'm, I'm holy and perfect in Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. The Christian, you're done. It's, you're, you, you, the Christian is done with the law. The Christian is done with the law as a means of gaining a righteous standing before God. How many of you had an abuelita that spoiled you? I, I'm out of time. How many of you had a grandma that spoiled you? Just how, many have a, how many had a grandma that did things that your parents wouldn't do for you? You did and I'm sorry if you did and I'm sorry. You never had a grandparent that was, that was nicer than your parents were? They fed you all kinds of garbage that, that you couldn't eat at home? 
You couldn't get on their bad grace. Even if you're, you couldn't, you couldn't be bad enough. Now, why are you trying to earn good standing with God on your own? Today I woke up and Jesus looked at me and said, that's my boy. That's my son. And look at how perfect he is. And look at how holy he is. You see, this is hard for you. But your struggle is not necessarily with self. Your struggle is believing the gospel. Your struggle is not with your issues. I know you think it is. That's not your issue. Your issue, I know I have issues, but that's my condition. Am I a perfect husband? No. But before God, he sees me in the son. So what would the father say to the son? I am well pleased. I woke up today and the, and the father looked at me and said, I'm well pleased in Ronan. Wow. Why? Because everything I do pleases him? No. But because he sees me hidden in the sun. You still need more word, huh? Galatians, watch what Galatians says because you're looking at me like, I still don't believe this is hard for me. It shouldn't be. And that's why we need, but we need to hear the gospel over and over again until we walk and enjoy that position in God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Watch what it says, and this is what we do. Ready? Read. I do not. For if righteousness came by the law, then. Now, how many can say this? How many can say, I don't frustrate the grace of God? I, yeah, right? I don't frustrate it. When you try to get right standing with God, when you're trying to be in good standing with God by what you're doing, by the law, you're frustrating the grace. Frustrating the grace. Watch what Paul said. I want to be able to insist. I want to be like Paul and say, I don't frustrate the grace of God. Because if righteousness came by the law, then what? Entonces Cristo. En vano murió. He died in vain. And how many know that the cross is not, it was never in vain. Don't frustrate the grace of God by thinking that you can get a good standing with God by way of your own works. That's what you're doing. That's what we do. I'm guilty of this, but I don't want to be guilty of that anymore. So are we perfect apart from, you put it up, we got to finish. Are we perfect apart from Jesus? Perfection apart from Jesus then? Can you answer that question? Is there perfection apart from Jesus? Put it up. If a man could live the way that Jesus told us in the chapter on his own, then he'd be perfect. And I'm going to challenge you with a list of things. If a man could live the way Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, then, then this is what he would do. He would never hate. Give me the list. Number one, he would never hate. See if you qualify. He would never hate, he would never slander or speak evil of another person. Raise your hand if you can qualify. Okay. Number two. If a man could live the way Jesus told us to in the chapter on our own, then he would never lust in his heart or mind or never covet anything. Have you ever lusted in your heart? Ever lusted in your mind? Have you ever coveted anything? Do you qualify? Still nobody qualifies. Number three, then that means he would never make a false oath or he would never tell a lie. He'd never be dishonest. He'd be completely truthful. Anybody qualify? Let's keep going. He would always let God defend his personal rights and never take it upon himself to defend those rights. Anybody qualify with there? Last one. He would always love his neighbors and even his enemies. You qualify? Here's the point. You and I don't meet that standard, but Jesus does. Somebody shout hallelujah if you believe he does. So number three, I'm done. Here's the last point. Our perfect Savior lived a perfect life, satisfying the perfect law of God in order to perfect those 
of us who will believe. How many can shout hallelujah? So fast forward, brother, give me the application, then I'm going to exhort you as you go home, brother Andres or Junior, come. So here's the application. In Christ, I'm perfect. This is my position. In Christ, I'm perfect. And I am being perfected. The heart, what's the heart saying today? Be perfect. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's hard, right? No, because you understand that you're perfect and you're being what? Somebody shout, I'm perfect. Come on, somebody shout, I'm perfect. And I'm being perfected. Don't ever confuse your position with your condition. My condition is changing every day. How many want to get better for the Lord? I want to get better. How many want to be a better wife, a better husband? Come on, how many, how many want to be a better father, better businessman? How many want to be more honest? How many, how, many, how many want more integrity? How many want a better character? Listen to me. He's molding your character. He's, he's working on those things. You're being perfected right now. But don't you ever forget this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Why is it good? Because it tells me that I'm perfect before the Father, but I'm being perfected at the same time. So here's the exhortation. Here it is, everybody. Here's the sermon. Let me exhort you. Ready? Here it is. Believe on him. Stay in faith. And enjoy your position. In God. Now, last night when, I, when, when, when my wife was working on the notes, I, I literally asked her, because that's what the Lord, that's, what, that's how he put it to me. I know I'm over time, five minutes. That's how he put it to me. He said, son, enjoy your position. And I turned and I asked her, she's, she's my way. I asked her, I said, is that word enjoy, does that sound like it's too much? Does that sound hard to, to, to apply? She said, no. But here's what we don't do. We don't enjoy our position in God. We don't enjoy it. Many Christians are miserable because they think that there's a standard that they can't ever meet. They just can't meet it. And they're tired and they're miserable because they think that Christianity is a bunch of rules. They think Christianity is about what you can't do anymore. He didn't get rid of the law. The law stands. It's good. It's righteous. It's holy. But he fulfilled it as a means for righteousness. You can't ever fulfill the law of God. Stop trying. Jesus did it for you. Hear me. But watch this. I got to say this. But after he saves you and makes you perfect, he sends you back to his law, but not as a means of righteousness. He has you go back to his law, and he begins to form and mold your character. That's why it still remains. Not, not to make you righteous. The law can't do that. But once you're righteous, he sends you back to look at the law and say, man, this is, this is what he's doing in me. This is what I want him to do in me. When you're a believer, when you're saved, you don't want to steal anymore. You don't want to cheat anymore. Why? Because he has you look back at the law, not to fulfill it, not as a means for righteousness, but he has you look at it to say, God, that's what I want you to do in me. Are you following me this morning? Enjoy. Somebody shout, enjoy. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, enjoy your position in Christ. Everybody stand.